welcome to episode 8 of Companions of Perception Check. It, tonight, uh, you'll be joined by myself, Kevin, and... Zachary. And Michael. And tonight we'll be discussing the Barbarian class. And I just want to throw it out. Barbarians in the party. They're... They see... They're... I guess in the MMO sense, they're they're DPS because they they really can't. While they do get a lot of HP, they can't really. They're they're not really designed to absorb impact. Actually, they they're because of uh because of their unarmored defense. In most cases, they can hold up just as well as a fighter can. They yeah, also they, have a they... lot of They also have uh. Under their rages, they take uh, less damage from stuff. I must have missed. Yeah, I, I would say I would say that they actually can function as a tank. Um, maybe not quite as well as maybe a dedicated fighter or a dedicated paladin, but they could do a, a, a raging good job. <laughs> I heard this class is all the rage. Uh. The jokes are coming furiously. <laughs> this is gonna we're gonna have two parts to this. One that's just gonna be strung together all your all your uh, jokes, and the other is gonna be the the actual podcast. Um, so, I mean, I I understand they're they're a, I mean they're they're supposedly from the the fringes of of civilization as uh you know it's viewed within the world but you know in role playing it there there have been i guess different ways to do it i know in diablo 2 the the uh barbarian class was set to be they were just they different. were smart but they were a noble savage basically. yeah they they were a noble savage and and that while they may seem gruff, they and and just powerfully built, they weren't stupid. No, I I think there's a lot of different ways to play a barbarian. As far as a, the, the you know the stereotypical typecast is that it's a a giant hulking beast of a of, of a you know a, a stupid person that's a that's a beast basically you know in terms of fighting you know and then they're Mechanically, they're either you know, an absolute maniac and just going at, going down with the sword, or they're an accomplished fighter. But in both cases, they're generally considered dumb. Um, I, I think that's... Uh, I've seen... Go ahead, Zach. Oh, sorry, I've seen two confirmed barbarians I can think of off the top of my head from the book. And this is generally how I approach barbarians. There's Wolfgar from The Legend of Drizzt. And he's no idiot, but he he tends to talk he tends to have a very straightforward view of things. He's not... It's not that he's not deep. It's that he's not very nuanced. He's very direct. And then there's Sunbright from the um, Nazaro trilogy. And the less said about him, the better. Although he was sort of more along the lines of the totem warrior, if I had to use one of the archetypes we have now, because he was a lot more mystical... And he was deep. He was just sort of in the wild, sort of thing. He was almost druid-like at times. Well, I can I can see 
I, I can see a, a very blunt barbarian who is intelligent, but again, not nuanced. Um, and I can also see if you played maybe a, a half-orc or even a full, full-blooded full orc, maybe a monster race barbarian, that the they could be considered just dim-witted. I mean, if we if we threw together a, a lizard folk barbarian or a I don't think they would be you know they they wouldn't even really be thinking tactically for for the most part but you throw in mo- more of the player classes or player races I I can see them being just uncultured as well, as, as the half work that I've got is pretty much a, a dim-witted one Yeah I was thinking of a uh... A, an interesting um, culture of barbarians that you had in uh, had in one of the campaign settings, the Talenta halflings from Eberron. Barbarian for them was a big class for them. Hmm. I think uh, I'm not sure, but I think the Valimar uh, elves are too. I'm not sure if they are actually count as rangers or barbarians usually, but I think there's probably some mix between them. Mm-hmm. Well, in all fairness, Michael, I played a I played a druid, which should have some, I guess, some intelligence to it as a half orc. However, he had a minus one intelligence modifier there, so he was pretty dim-witted too. Although that did make for some fun role-playing choices, um, so I can I can yeah. see it go in multiple ways. And the as long I guess as long as it's not drawing to a just plain stupid chaotic play style, I think it could it could work in most ways. Sure, and, and of course that's one of the, the beautiful things about D and D is that you know you have your stats distribution and it can go different ways. So you could you know I wouldn't associate it as a smart move, but you could actually make the stronger barbarian stats your weak ones and make him a very intelligent but you know uh, weak fighter. Well, just think about maybe the throwaway stats, stats that barbarians never use. Um, this this still sort of fits dim-witted, but almost none of the ones at least we're looking at today. None of the barbarian stats use either intelligence or wisdom. So when you got to put down an eight, if you're doing the point spread we do, something could be very different depending on where you put that eight between intelligence and wisdom and still have a very viable barbarian either way. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that because if you put the eight in intelligence, he may have, you know, you could you could say the innate wisdom or common sense he doesn't listen to, but if you put that eight in wisdom, he the the barbarian might not have a lot of common sense or innate knowledge, well, but no, he's willing to learn. Intelligence is more or less your book learning. Yeah, wisdom but, is your common sense. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That if you know you're it, he could be. Yeah better, I guess, better read or better able to 
to learn. But. Yeah. So. Well, let's 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 dive into the game mechanics. Yeah. The. I mean the the barbarians come out with proficient in light and medium uh, armor as well as shields and simple and martial weapons. Although yeah, so they get all the weapons and uh, and shields and all the heavy armor. Although unarmored defense only works if they're not wearing armor. Although unlike the monks, unarmored defense. Um, a barbarian can use a shield and still get the bonus. So in some ways, sometimes not wearing any armor at all for them might actually, depending on some stuff they get with unarmored defense and a couple other things, you might actually be able to get a higher armor class than if you were wearing armor. And a lot of that can can really depend on the statistics that they're using too. You know, I mean, it it is for the unarmored defense. It's their dexterity and constitution modifiers. So you know, it's basically taking into account that it's you know a, an accomplished martial expert, um, but that they're you know not wearing armor allows them to uh, be more fleet-footed, basically to to dodge attacks and deflect attacks more easily or, or sustain them. When you look at the dexterity or constitution, you know, I was just thinking about something with that. Um, in 4th edition, Halflings actually pulled off the Barbarian class really well. And if you're a stout, if you're a stout Halfling, which is the kind uh, Trent is, they get bonuses to both Dexterity and Constitution. Which would actually make them ideal Barbarians, strangely enough. Uh, they, I mean... The other big perk, too, is that they still, with the unarmored defense, they can use a shield. So that's an additional armor class bonus that they get beyond just their stats and the unarmored defense base. So especially early on, if your party's lacking a tank and you have a barbarian, they kind of become the de facto tank by doing that. Yeah. But, yeah, they get access to some of the best weapons and decent armor if you need it. Well, yeah, you can, I mean... I mean, 10 plus your dex and constitution can, you know, that, that can hold you early in a campaign. But as you move along, it is possible you find something that gives you better, at least until, you know, you, you redistribute more stats. Yeah. Not sure. And could, but could also save you in a situation where if your party's essentially, you know, captured and and stripped of their equipment, still give you a, a defensive edge. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the one of the main tenants here is their the barbarian rage. Um. So, you. The the barbarian rage, you know, gives you advantage on strength checks and saving throws uh, with melee weapons you get bonus bonus damage to or bonuses to damage rolls um, and resistance to 
gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Yeah. Um, however, the downside is is you can't really do anything that requires concentration while doing that. Which, if you're not multi-classing, isn't that big a deal. No. They do, they, some of those, some variants can get spells, but usually it's more out-of-combat type stuff. Mm-hmm. So, One of the perks to it as well is that it is a bonus action, so that's not something that you're, you're dedicated into having to basically sacrifice one of your your, your turn for your round, um, you know, as far as, okay, now I have to rage. Whereas some classes, you know, it's casting a spell, and that is your, your action for that turn, you know, and especially if it's a concentration spell and it gets broken thereafter, you've essentially you've lost that turn. Whereas mm-hmm. the rage is just an extra action you get to do. And on top of that, that really helps some of their tanking we were talking about because they, they get resistance to the probably the three most common damage types in the game. And then there's some variants of this that give some additional resistances. And and also with the bonus damage, you know, as a DPS type of character, uh, it really can help them put in extra numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, at second level, they they all they start to get re- reckless attack. Um, it gives you attack gives you advantage on melee weapon attacks that use your strength, but unfortunately it also leaves you vulnerable and attacks against you have advantage till your next turn. Which... So what I... Sorry, Zach? No, go ahead. I thought you were done. Uh, I, I was saying which which can be helpful if you're... You know, if, you, if you've got a good healer on hand and you're facing a particularly difficult fight, it can be helpful to get have that advantage. Or if, or you're if needing, you need to kill something quickly. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, if, you're, if you think you got the last thread of it there and just need to take a quick swipe. Yeah. Well, you mentioned two scenarios for it. There's also a third one, really, that, you know, if you have a, a either a, a caster that can keep something held, or bound, um, or if you even have something that is bound, you know, through manacles or whatever else, you know, where you've got need to do damage in a hurry, it can't fight back. So there's no um, risk of being added at disadvantage when something's attacking you. You know, you can just unload on it. Mm-hmm. What I was thinking of when I look at Reckless is, from what I understand, Barbarians from 3rd Edition. Because... Barbarians from 3rd edition, they didn't have one rage. They had a whole bunch of them. And most of them were calculated risk. Because most of them increased a couple of things, but reduced something else. And that's what Reckless really feels like to me. Well, I think I think with most things in, in D&D and life, there, there's always trade-offs. You get, you know, you get advantage on your attacks, but you also get advantage on your uh, on or your enemies get advantage on you yeah um on the on the flip side here you, you also get danger sense at the second level when you get reckless attack um which gives you advantage on dexterity saving throws against effects you can see um however 
you know this is this is a site-based uh, skill so it doesn't work if you're blindfolded or for whatever reason can't or deafened or or, or incapacitated yeah, I mean yeah. it's basically heightened senses and then being able to react to things that occur mm-hmm. but um, it, of course the, the the big advantage here is that it's not tied into the raging or the reckless it's just an inherent ability mm-hmm. you get your spidey sense along with your massive smash now they need a spider totem. <laughs> um, but would it do whatever spider totem does? No, it can't. It's a totem. Uh, and then at third level, you choose your primal path, which I think we'll we'll cover here in a moment. Your three choices between the player's handbook and the Sword Coast Adventure. You get your usual assortment of uh, ability score improvements at 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th levels. Um, though at 5th level, you can uh, you get an extra attack. Yeah. Um, and I just think how you know, fun that can be if you like get like it because if you're using a great axe or something, I just well, I just like imagining that. Each round, just like swinging it overhand, like twice, really fast. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be an overhand at that point. I feel like it'd be more of a sideswiping cleave. Yeah. Like a giant, I don't know, the, um, what was it uh, um, in Diablo 2? Whirlwind of Death, where you just start spinning around. Yeah. yeah. Um, you also get uh, fat, uh, an extra 10 feet added to your speed when you're not wearing heavy armor at 5th level. I didn't know this. At 7th level, you get uh, advantage on initiative rolls. Yeah. So, is that the same... I'm, I'm confused. Is that the same um, advantage as, uh, as in combat? Yeah, you yeah, roll, roll twice and take the higher? It, it yeah. works that way for the initiative, and then also if you are taken by surprise, um, provided you're not incapacitated at that time, you still can act normally as part of your initiative and everything. It's not your at disadvantage. But you have to rage to first. Wait. Yeah, you do have to enter the rage to do. I that. mean, next to Damn! Darn! Got the drop on me! <laughs> Well, beginning at ninth, uh, ninth level, you get brutal critical, where you roll one additional weapon damage when determining extra damage for a critical hit. And at thirteenth, you add two dice, and seventeenth, three dice. That is that rem- really that can really rack up with it, particularly if you're using a great weapon. And that that's yeah. reminding me of of the. Uh, of my shrouds on my assassin back in fourth edition as I leveled up. Kept adding, well, that, that kept increasing the size of the dice um, instead of adding more, but that still, that, that could still add up. I don't know how many battles were basically turned because I could expend my shrouds and roll an extra 48 And then you would roll and not expend them and move them to someone else. And... Oh, yeah. They were just... It, it was brutal. Uh, 
You killed the campaign boss in three rounds. <laughs> uh, I was thankful we were playing on the floor at that time because I'm pretty sure you would have rage flipped the table. I almost rage flipped the floor. <laughs> and that, and that actually leads us to what Zach was experiencing at level eleven of relentless rage. Um. <laughs> You can keep your rage. Yeah, your your rage can keep you fighting despite grievous wounds. So if you drop to zero hit points and don't die outright, you make a DC 10 Constitution saving throw. If you succeed, you drop to one hit point instead. Um, the bad news is, is if you have, if you do this every time you do this, it increases the uh, it increases the DC difficulty by five. However, if you finish a rest, it resets to ten. I don't know how many. I don't know how many inspiration die you would need to beat a like a DC twenty-five or thirty. I mean, if you're still rolling twenties, that shouldn't really matter. Well, then also, uh, if you have a if it's late game, you might even be able to beat a twenty-five or thirty with your own stuff because you'd have six from your proficiencies. And then you'd probably have some decent stuff from your, um, from possibly items you have or just modifier increases over time. Oh man, now, now, now I've got a, now we've got a, I'm gonna have to sit and get a level 20 berserker. Or level twenty barbarian, and see see conceivably what would be the highest it could go while playing with a, a essentially well well rounded party, with everybody giving it buffs to see how high it could conceivably go before it could no longer relentless rage. Well, one of the things to keep in mind too is that at, at that point, when if you're making use of that talent. Of course, there's a couple of different factors that can come into play with it. It could be that the Barbarian's just the character that's being focused for whatever reason. Um, it could be, um, you know, that there may be they're taking damage from some sort of a, a spell that's been cast on them or curse or something like that. Um, but one of the features where it does kind of come in handy is if you're facing a party wipe, you know, and it's kind of the last gasp by the party of, of, of killing off whatever they're facing. Mm-hmm. You know, right, what it's got me thinking of is uh, on the Wii version of Punch-Out. Normally, if you get knocked down a certain number of times, you almost, uh, you you fall over, but if you pretty much frantically beat on the buttons while you're falling down, sometimes he'll, like, stand up trembling. Like, like he'll just, like, through sheer determination, just stay on his feet all beat up, and you get to go back in even though you are about to be knocked out. I, I see that as an app comparison. Um, yeah. Now, after your relentless rage, you get persistent rage, where your rage is so fierce it only ends if you fall unconscious or choose to end it. Yeah, because otherwise, like, if you failed to continue to hit things before that, it would wear off. Yeah. 
Um, so that's, I mean, that 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 could be be helpful um, if you're in a prolonged fight. And at 18, you get Indomitable Might, um, where if your total strength, if your total for a strength check is less than your strength score, use your strength score. I just love the level 21 because it is just so, it is so just simple, but wonder the level 20 ability. Your strength and constitution scores increased by four. Your maximum for the scores is now 24. Yeah. Now my my question is is we've got those books in your campaign that increase strength. Does that uh, does that mean we can a barbarian could get them up to twenty eight? Eight. Theoretically, except probably at that point in the story, it would be you wouldn't have a, an opportunity to use both at that point. But yeah. That's pretty sweet. All right, well, let's turn our attention now that we've covered what all barbarians get. Let's move on to the primal paths. Um, we've got the path of the berserker, path of the totem warrior, and path of the battle rager, which is for dwarves only. Yeah. <laughs> um, path of berserker... Is I, I like I like their I like the the player's handbooks version of it. Rage is a means to an end. That end being violence. Yeah. Uh, so at third level, you go into a frenzy when you rage. If you do so for the duration of your rage, you can make a single melee weapon attack as a bonus action. On each of your turns after this one, um, and when you, you get a level of exhaustion, yeah, you, you know, don't get that rule anyway. So, yeah, um, and at level six, you get mindless rage, so you can't be charmed or frightened while raging. Yeah. Uh, if you are charmed or frightened when you enter your rage, the effect is suspended. Um, now, intimidating presence would be, I, I, I think, would be helpful, because at 10th level, you can frighten someone with your menacing presence. Um, they have to, uh, they must succeed on a wisdom saving throw, 8 plus your proficiency plus your charisma modifier, or be frightened until the end of your next turn. What's uh, funny about the Berserker is it's actually a barbarian class where you kind of need some charisma. Yeah. If you're going to make use of that. So you gotta, to be fair, the charisma is basically re it's relying on the intimidating presence. That's about the only point. Your still main focus is going to be your strength, dexterity, and constitution. Constitutional, yeah. But you, are, you, need, you are basically playing an angry guy with a sword. Yeah. Or really any weapon. But. Yeah. And then at 14, you get Retaliation, which uh, you you can, uh, if you take damage from a creature within five feet of you, you can use your reaction to make a melee weapon attack against that creature. Which is good if you, if there is a 
bigger baddie you're in melee range with. But yeah, or you, I, or I suppose depending on how things are going, you could decide to use it to pick off some of the smaller, more annoying. I think they have to. It didn't say they have to hit you. Like it has it, to be something. You have to take damage from a creature within okay. five feet of you. But it's a reaction, so you have to choose where yeah. you use it because you get one per round. And why wouldn't you? I mean, really. Perhaps, perhaps you're waiting for you know, perhaps a a one damage from a a little lizard folk attacking you is not not worth your time if you're facing a dragon, or you may decide that that lizard folk is worth it because you're tired of getting just kind of. Or you could do something like the lizard folk hitting you, but if you're in the range of the dragon too, he hits you, you hit the dragon. No, it says you have to make the melee attack against that creature. Oh, yeah, okay. And also, if you're thinking of making an opportunity attack, if you think someone might try to move. Yeah. You might, because you, you only get one reaction. Well, one of the things to keep in mind, too, is depending on what else is around you, since you have to be able to make an attack to maintain a rage, um, you know, that may be your opportunity to make that attack and keep that rage as a player. So, you know... Well, if you take damage, you, you get to you keep can. the rage. That's true, that's true. And next up, we've got the Path of a Totem Warrior. Um, and this is, I don't know, this this tends to be more of a, looks to be more of a, a bloodlusty druid, as I see it. Um, yeah. And at third level, you gain the ability to cast Beast Sense and Speak with Animals. Um, but only as rituals. And at third level, you choose a totem spirit, a bear, eagle, or wolf. And it's the, your spirit animal. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sword Coast Adventures Guide also expands on that with the red tiger and the elk. Well, the bear, while raging, gives you resistance to all damage except psychic. And the spirit of the bear makes you tough enough to stand up to any punishment. Um, an eagle, while raging and aren't wearing heavy armor, other creatures have disadvantage on opportunity attack rolls. And you can use the dash, dash action as a bonus action on your turn. Uh, the wolf, uh, your friends have advantage on melee attacks against any creature with eye Five feet hostile to you. The um, uh, Sword Coast uh, gives you the Elk, um, which allows you to, which increases your uh, walk speed by 15 when you're not wearing heavy armor. Um, and Tiger, which you can add 10 feet to your long jump distance and 3 feet to your high jump distance. And at 6th level, you gain the magical, a magical benefit based on a totem animal of your choice. doesn't have to be the same one as you chose earlier, but 
they kind of go together. Probably strategically, if I was playing one, I would stick with one. You could. Um, you can get the aspect of the bear, might of the bear, your carrying capacity uh, is doubled, and it have advantage on strength shaving roll. Strength uh, checks made to push, pull, lift, or break objects. Uh, with eagles, you gain the eyesight of the eagle. You can see up to a mile away. Able to discern even fine details is looking at something no more than 100 feet away from you. Um, dim light doesn't impose disadvantage on perception checks. The wolf uh, gives you the ability to track other creatures while traveling at a fast pace. You can move stealthy while adventuring at a normal pace. Um, the elk, your travel pace is doubled. And the travel pace of up to 10 companions with their in 60 feet of you. Uh, and the tiger, you gain proficiency in two skills from the following list. Athletics, acrobatics, stealth, and survival. At 10th level, you can cast commune with nature. Uh, the commune with nature spell as a ritual. Um... When you do so, your totem spirit appears to give you the information you seek. I don't know. How, I, I mean, that's that sounds good for role play. Uh, it's good for trying to find stuff. Commune with nature is sort of a sort of like the other extra planar guide sort of spell. You can get a lot of help. It's really good for exploration. Uh, 14th level, uh, you get totemic attunement, where you get a magical benefit based on the totem animal of your choice. Um, with the bear, while raging, any creature within five feet of you that's hostile to you has disadvantage on attack rolls against targets other than you or other another character with this feature. Enemies immune to the effect if it can't see see or hear you or be frightened. Eagle, while raging, you have a flying speed equal to your current walking speed. Um, if you end your turn in the air and nothing else is holding you aloft, you fall. So, better have a backup plan on that one. Yeah. I, I just like the, the whole Acme-esque uh, mindset <laughs> for it, you know. It's like all of a sudden your, your turn runs out, then... No, no, you have to yeah. wait till you look down. It's like, I forgot something. Oh, yeah. I'm 60 your arm feet will in the be, air. And one of your arms that you lifted up will be much longer than the other for a short time. <laughs> the frantic the... laughing to try to stay aloft. Uh, cause extra, that, that, causes, that causes extra damage. It doesn't soften the blow. Um, for the wolf, while raging, you can use a bonus action... To knock a large or smaller creature prone when you hit them with a melee attack. It'd be very helpful. Um, the elk, while raging, you can pass through the space of a large or smaller creature. That creature must succeed on a strength saving throw or be knocked prone and take bludgeoning damage equal to 1d12 plus your strength modifier. Um, the tiger, while raging... 
you move at least 20 feet in a straight line towards a large or smaller target right before making a melee attack, uh, melee weapon attack against it, you can use a bonus action to make an additional melee attack against it. And you can, once you start getting up there, you can really start just wailing on people. Um, And next up is the Path of the Battle Rager. Oh, and one it's for dwarves only, and one thing I'll have to say that, Michael, you'll like, their dwarven name translates into Act Idiot. <laughs> they specialize in wearing bulky, spiked armor and throwing themselves into combat, striking with their body itself and getting giving themselves over to the fury of battle. Um, What's weird is these are different than a lot of other barbarians because... These are actually part of dwarven society, and no dwarves live in, like, you know, underground holds and stuff. Their places are very much like cities. Now, when you when you choose this at, at third level, you get the ability to wear to use spiked armor as a weapon. Um... And if you're wearing the armor and raging, you can use a bonus action to make one melee weapon attack with your armor spikes against a target within five feet of you. If it hits, it deals 1d4 piercing damage. Um, use your strength modifier for the attack and damage rolls. Um, also, when you use an attack to grapple a creature, it takes three piercing damage if your grappled success or check succeeds. Give them a big squishy hug. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, uh, granted it's not a monk class, but it does kind of almost capture some of like the monk or drunken master type stuff where you turn your whole body into a weapon. You know, I could I could see it as a well, it it wouldn't be more of a, it wouldn't be a, a really a barbarian. It'd be more of a. Uh, uh, like a, a line of defense where they get the biggest, where they get the biggest, um, I guess biggest and dumbest, dumbest um, dwarves, put them in spiked armor and tell them to go give the the people coming to eh, to invade them hugs. <laughs> what I was also thinking of this is actually, as far as I know, with the classes right now. It's the only one that actually really encourages grappling is one of its fundamental mechanics. Most other classes don't really have a definite reason outside of team battles why you might want to grapple them, but it, this one you can hold them in place, stabbing them while your allies beat up on them while you're, and you're actually not only holding them, you're still hurting them real bad. Well, it, that is true. That's that would that could really could really assist in just starting to eat it eat away at those hit points. Yeah. All that practice with grappling got to go into the uh, WWE. <laughs> Ooh, I I would hate to be hit from the uh, top turnbuckle by someone in spiked armor. Christ, he's got a steel chair. <laughs> 
Christ, the dwarf's got a steel chassis. And at level six, you get reckless abandon. Um, You gain temporary hit... uh, When you use reckless abandon while raging, you gain temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier. Um, They vanish if any are left when your rage ends, which could be really helpful if you need that quick boost of HP just for a fight. Yeah. And if you're a dwarf, you're already going to get a few. If, if you be if you put your stacks in anywhere at all, because they have really high constitution. At level 10, they get Battle Rage Charge, where you can dash as a bonus action while raging. Which... I think that feeds back into the uh, Battle Rager armor. Yeah. They're going to smack somebody and then rate, like, rage on to give someone else a great big hug. Now, they may not do you it. No, I'm, th- I'm just thinking of a new amusement park attraction, Bumper Dwarves. <laughs> uh, and then finally, at 14th level... Uh, when a creature within five feet of you makes a melee attack, the attacker takes three piercing damage if you're raging. Um, aren't incapacitated and wearing spiked armor. Yeah. So I think uh, I'm kind of glad they waited till waited for that till the end because you wouldn't want. I know we don't do multi-classing, but if you had a dwarf multi-classing, then. You know, just doing that long enough to get spiked armor before switching would... Yeah. So, so overall, I mean, I think I think it's a great, great addition to the game. Gives you... Give, gives it its own flavor on a fighter. I mean, I, I still think it's... I think it's different enough to, to warrant its own class. Yeah. Uh, so it's not it's not like yeah. they they made sword user and uh axe user completely different classes. It's yeah. RP and mechanically different. Yeah. I mean they can fill a lot of the same roles in a party, but they do it very differently. Yeah. Well, that's all we've got this evening for Barbarians. I'd like to thank Zach and Michael for joining us, and we'll see you all next time on Companions of the Perception Check. I would like to thank all of our guests, as well as bensound.com for our music, Extreme Action. You can find them at bensound.com, as well as visit us at companionsofperception.net.